Well, 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 how we doing? How we doing? We doing okay? There we go. There we go. Hey, before we get rolling, can you help me give an enthusiastic welcome to our Littleton campus, our Lakewood campus, our Vada, Evergreen and God Behind Bars. Can we just welcome them? Everybody that's joining us online, we're glad you're listening. We're glad you're watching. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Ronnie. I'm the campus pastor here at our Littleton campus. Um, man, I am absolutely excited about the opportunity to be able to, to share a word with you that um, for me personally is one of the most pivotal messages that I ever heard, that I ever received. And so um, I'm going to be sharing with you today just kind of what the goal is in pursuing Christ. And uh, I know that there's a lot of you in here that have been a part of a church for a while, and to you that might sound juvenile, I, I hope that this serves as uh, an amazing reminder for many of you that the goal of Christianity might look a lot different um, than you and I actually practice in the day-to-day. -day. Um, before we get rolling, though, can I just take a quick second and let you know that this weekend experience that we get to experience here as Red Rocks Church, this church community, um, the preaching that we get to hear, the worship that we get to enjoy, um, all of our life groups, the campuses, the growth, the expansion, the enthusiasm, the excitement, all these things that we get to experience week in and week out. Can I just let you know that that's not normal, that's not common, that's not typical, um, but that God's hand is on our church um, for whatever reason. We're clueless most of the time. Um, but God's hand of blessing is on our church. Um, and for, for such a time as this, he's, he's giving us favor to be able to reach the uttermost parts of the world. And, and uh, can I also just encourage you that um, there's more cities to be reached and there's more states to be reached. Um, and, and, and our country has still yet to be reached. And the uttermost parts of the world are still to be reached. And so, man, I want to encourage you. I believe that um, our best days um, as a church community are, are in front of us. Um, I believe God's going to open up doors and tremendous areas of opportunity for us to reach people that are far from him. And then can I also say that if this is your first time coming to Red Rocks Church, I apologize that you have to hear me. Um, but next week, um, come back and you're, we're going to be able to hear from one of our teaching pastors. Uh, Chad Brugman is going to be back in the house, back in the pulpit. And so we're excited to be able to hear from him uh, once again. So come back. Um, and he will probably try to, to skim over and correct all the crazy things that I say uh, tonight. Um, but like I said, I want to talk to you today about this goal of following Jesus. As Christ followers, um, I believe that we chase a lot of things. We make a lot of items the main thing. Um, when I believe with all my heart that pursuing and following Jesus is extremely simple. And so we're going to start today in the book of John. Um, if you're unfamiliar with the book of John, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Uh, it's, it's right up there in, in the front of the New Testament. And John is one of the disciples of Jesus. Uh, John is one of the closest friends of Jesus is something that we glean from the scriptures. He's actually um, a half-brother, and uh, John is so confident in his relationship with Christ. He is so confident that he is loved by God and that he loves God um, that he actually gives himself the self-proclaimed title of John the Beloved, or John the one that Jesus loves is something that he calls himself. He is so confident so confident. I believe that his proximity to Jesus, his relationship to Jesus is something that you and I can glean from here in 2016 on what it really means 
to be a follower of Jesus. So if you would, turn with me in your Bibles. If you don't have your Bibles, no worries. If you can't see in the dark wherever you are, no worries. We're going to have it up on the screen for you. Um, But we're going to start our journey today in John 14. John 14 in the first verse. I'm going to be reading out of the message version of the Bible. So if you don't have it, you might want to read on the screen. It says, don't let this throw you. This is Jesus talking. He just uh, filled his disciples in on the fact that he's going to uh, be crucified and that they have some troubles coming their way. He says, you trust God, don't you? Trust me. There's plenty of room for you in my father's home. If that weren't so, would I have told you that I'm on my way to get a room ready for you? And if I'm on my way to get a room ready, I'll come back and I'll get you so that you can live where I live. Notice what he says, and you already know the road that I'm taking. Yet Thomas says, Master, we have no idea where you're going. How do you expect us to know the road? And and can I just um, put it aside here? If you're in this place and you've ever um, attempted to follow Jesus, if you've ever attempted to be a Christian and you're, you've been confused on which way Jesus is going, which way you need to go to follow Christ, um, let me just uh, tell you, rest assured, some of the closest guys in Jesus' life often misinterpreted which way Jesus was going. And notice what Jesus says in verse 6. He says, I am the road, also the truth, also the life. No one gets to the Father apart from me. And it's interesting because this is, this is a scripture that many of you have heard. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Nobody gets to the Father except through me. And the thing that I love about this passage is that we live in a world, in a society that says that um, there are many roads to get to heaven. And, and some would go as far as to say that all roads of religion lead to the same place. We're all after the same exact thing. Um, uh, truth is relative. All roads lead to truth. If it's true for you, it's true for you. If it's true for me, it might not be true for you. There's no real absolute truth. Uh, and then, then he says that I, I'm the life as well. And we live in a society that, that says there are so many avenues to experiencing life to the full, life to its maximum capacity, maximum capabilities. Yet what Jesus says is, no, 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 no. Let me just make this abundantly clear. For those of you that might feel this way, might feel a propensity to to run in a multitude of different directions, let me just tell you this, that I am the road. I am the truth. And I am the the life. Jesus says, I want to make it abundantly clear because some of you will be confused. People to come will be confused. Christians, Christ followers to come will be confused. Let me make it abundantly clear. Let's, let's put all the distractions aside. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And what I want to express to you through the writings of John and some other authors, I want to express to you that really at the heartbeat behind following Jesus is a very simple, very easy path that we're supposed to to, to follow. The path to following Jesus is very simple. But even in me saying that, I know that there's some of you out there that are judging me right now because the the, the path for you hasn't been very simple. It hasn't felt um, very firm. It hasn't felt very singular. There's been a lot of distractions. There's been a lot of things that have caused some maybe disrest or discomfort, Um, maybe some things that have hurt you, maybe some things that have confused you. But the real goal behind following Jesus is very, very simple. And let me just throw in a side before we get too far. 
Um, this is one of the most pivotal messages that has affected my personal life and following Jesus. So um, at some point, I might, I might yell a little bit too much. I might move a little bit too much. I'm probably going to cry. I got an eye infection or something. Um, but, and, I, and if you're within the first like 15, 17 rows, you, you have not sat too far. You will probably be spit upon. So um, we're going we're gonna to look at this idea. Jesus says that I am the road. I'm also the truth. And I'm also... The life. Would you just pray with me? And we're going to just dive in with all four feet today. Lord, we love you. God, thank you for what you're doing in this place. Lord, I just pray that over these next brief minutes, God, as we approach your word, as we approach your scripture, Lord, would you just illuminate it to us? God, allow us to see clearly. Lord, I know that a lot of us are coming in here with distractions, with discomfort, with discouragement. Uh, God, many of us are fueled to come here for many different reasons. And God, I just want to, to, to proclaim to the rooftops, Jesus, that, that your way is meant to be simple. And so, God, I just pray that some might be encouraged today. Lord, would you direct us? Would you correct us? And would you encourage us to continue on this amazing path, this amazing journey of following you? And everybody at Red Rocks Church said, amen, amen, amen. Hey, um, you know the type of people that just absolutely drive me nuts? Can I... Can I have a little hashtag real talk with y'all? Some of the people that drive me absolutely nuts are the people um, that are naturally good at directions. And, and I'm not talking about the people um, that can just follow a GPS and, you know, they're good, they put it in, they're good with technology. I'm talking about the people that are just like hardwired with knowing the right direction to go. Um, most of the time it, that you might be, be familiar with these people, when you're going, you're not really sure the right way to go. They're the ones that are always chiming in that there's a better way, a faster way, a more efficient way. And they're always letting you know that you're going in the wrong direction. I hate those people. I can't stand them because um, me, I live most of my life, I drive most of my life kind of halfway clueless on where I'm actually going. I'm kind of guessing most of the time. And um, to be perfectly honest, my wife is one of those people that just gets directions. I think her like spiritual gift is directions and GPS. And so um, she just has a propensity to know how to go from point A to point B as efficient as possible. She knows always where we, we need to go. We got to go west here and, and north here and turn here. And, and, and she drives me nuts. Um, no, but most of the time I'm progressing. I'm progressing most of the time that we get inside the car. I, I willfully give up and I'm like, babe, you, you guessed it. I have no idea where I'm going. Give me directions. Give me directions. But there's one um, memory in particular where my wife and I, we, we were still dating. We were about 17, 18 years old. We we're just young and in love. And we had this opportunity to go visit her sister about two hours south at her college university. And so um, we're so excited. We've never taken like a road trip. We've never really gone to like a destination. And we're going two hours south. It's just going to be me my girl, the love of my life, we're in love. We get two hours of, of uninterrupted, undistracted quality time together, just me and Bay. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. And so um, we're there. 
you know, we're out front of our house, bags are packed, we are ready to go. Um, but remember me directionally challenged. Um, and just an aside for, for those of you that are living in the smartphone era right now, and you, we have everything that's so accessible and so um, accessible to us whenever we need it. This was in a time when data plans, as, as much as you use the GPS or as much as you use the internet, you paid for every second that you're on there and cell phone companies just run your pockets dry. And so during the this time, um, as a 17, 18 year old that washed cars for a living, um, using the GPS on my smartphone was not an option. And so we're sitting out front, everything's all ready, the bags are packed, and, and her dad comes out to give us directions. And so I'm there and I'm talking, and, and her dad is an intimidating man, and he, he's huge, I might put it. He's huge. And so at this time, like I said, I'm about 17, 18 years old, maybe 5'10", probably 97 pounds. You could just blow me over. If a gust of wind comes, I'm gone. I'm, I'm, I'm just a, a little string bean. And, and he's standing here about 6'4", 240 pounds. And, and I promise on my life, the, the size of his biceps were like the, the diameter of the waist of my skinny jeans. They're huge. They were huge. And here he is, he's walking me through the directions on, on how do we get here. And have you ever had one of those moments where you look at somebody and you're just intimidated, your mind goes to weird places? Well, he had a picture inside his house, just to drive this point home. He had a picture inside his house, right on the way as you're going down, downstairs into the basement. And he is shirtless and he's standing there holding his wife above his head. This is my now father-in-law. He's a large man. He's an intimidating man. We're standing out front of the house. He's giving me directions. And honestly, my mind wanders off into Never Never Land. And so I'm standing there. Remember, 97 pounds, 18 years old, 17 years old. And he's a gargantuan of a man, 6'4", 240 pounds. He's giving me directions on how to get to this location. And somewhere, somehow, my brain just wanders off. And and you know those, those scenes inside the movies where, where there's all this chaos going around and there's conversations or maybe explosions and the camera just zooms in on the main character and everything kind of goes quiet and his mind goes off into d- distant lands and he's thinking thoughts. That was me. So I'm standing there, I'm listening and it's almost like I'm peering straight through his soul and I'm just thinking about the road trip ahead. Just me and the love of my life. Just me and my girl. I just felt like Alfalfa and Darla. You know, it's like I'm going to get to be with my darling. My darling for for two hours uninterrupted. We're in love. So much love. And we're going to go on this trip together and it's going to be amazing. And right as I'm about to click back into reality, he's finishing up the directions and he says, okay, you good? And instantly panic just dropped inside my heart. And I just felt like I probably stared at him for an eternity like, what have I just done? He's entrusting me to take his little baby girl on a road trip two hours south. I'm driving in his car. And he just gave me the most elaborate, detailed directions to get there. And I've completely spaced. I completely spaced. And so I'm standing there. And I'm like, Kara, Let's get to the car quickly before he asks me to repeat the directions that he just gave me. Um, but 
I'm going to stop that story there because I don't want to bore you on the details of it actually ended up taking us four hours and we got lost and I had to call my, my now father-in-law back and say, hey, dude, we are so lost. I, we were supposed to get there two hours ago and I have no idea where I am. Can you help out? I won't go there just for the sake of time. I won't go there for the sake of time. But um, have you ever been there in your walk with Jesus? The emotions are high. You just found out that, that Jesus loves you, that he died for you, that he, he has a plan for you and a call for you. And, and you're in this community of believers and life is good and sin has been conquered and Jesus is good and there's this moment after some time passes where we have a little bit of distance from that incredibly emotional, amazing experience with Jesus and real life sets in. And we realize this guy that we're supposed to be getting directions from is intimidating. He's big. He's hard to follow. And, 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 and just the thought of the journey ahead feels a little bit overwhelming. You think about where you are now, where you want to go, where you feel like you're supposed to go. And, and it's like the emotions just leave in that moment. And you're kind of just left thinking to yourself, what's the goal here? What's, what's the main idea? What's the big picture? Where am I actually going? Because most of the time, I think if we're perfectly honest, this Christian walk is extremely confusing. It's extremely hard. We don't really know which way to approach we don't really know why Jesus came. It's like we, yeah, he came to save us and, 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 and save us and deliver us of our sins. But why did Jesus really come? Did he really just want to come and save us of our sins? Because I think when most of us look at this Christian walk, in our mind's eye, we picture thousands of roads ahead of us, thousands of paths that veer in thousands of different directions. Some roads steep, some roads um, fall quickly, some roads with sharp turns. And our goal as a Christian is to navigate these thousands of roads. Our goal as a Christian is to continue on this path, figure out which ways to take, which ways not to take. I got to join a life group and I got to join a prayer group and I got to pray more and I need to read my Bible more and I need to worship more and I need to be a nicer person. I need to be a better husband, a better dad. The list of all the things that you and I feel pressure to do inside our life, it's almost unbearable, is it not? I don't know about you, but there's been many times in my Christian walk where discouragement has felt so big because the picture of where I was going, where I need to go is so unclear. And, and to take steps further, we got all these pictures in our mind's eye of the thousands of, of paths that we're supposed to take. And then you jump to the other side and we just think about why Jesus came. And for many of us, Jesus came to save us. He came to forgive us. He came to restore us. And then it ends there, does it not? Like, what's the real purpose behind why Jesus came? Couldn't he have just supernaturally waved the magic wand over all of creation and delivered us and healed us and freed us? Why would Jesus um, come down as man incarnate and die for our sins? Why would Jesus do that? If it was simply to forgive us, if it was simply to restore us, why would Jesus come? And you see, what I want to, to, to show to us in a few moments is the real reason why Jesus came provides incredibly clear direction as to where we're supposed to go inside of our life. And what John's going to do as we look at more of his writings, he's going to push us towards this fact that, that forgiveness 
Restoration and grace is not intended to be the resting place um, for the believer. And he'll actually go as far as to say this. Forgiveness and grace are not the point of our salvation. It's not the point of our salvation. And I, I know that there's some of you in here that are like, heresy, heresy, this is preposterous. He did come that we could be saved and set free. Just follow me. Just take a deep breath. Nudge your, nudge your partner if you could just feel them tensing up. Follow me on this journey real quickly because we're going to take a look at another writing from John, this best friend of Jesus. And, and, and in this writing, um, he's going to lay out for us what this relationship with Christ, in order to intimately know him, what this really looks like. And he's going to go as far as to say that to know Christ will be the greatest aim of our life. So follow with me if you have your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. I'm going to be reading from the message version of the Bible. And it says, this is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. We might live through him. It says, this is the kind of love that we're talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as a sacrifice. Watch this. To clear away our sins and the damage that they've done to what? Our relationship with God. This is just unbelievable. I'm going to read this one more time. It says, but that he, meaning God, loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away the sin and the damage that they've done to our relationship with God. What Paul is saying is that the reason that Jesus came, yes, it was to save us. Yes, it was to forgive us of our sins, but it didn't stop there. The reason that Jesus came to die for our sins was this so he could clear away everything that hindered us from having a relationship with him, having a relationship with him. The, the, the fact that God, God Almighty, the God that created the heavens and the universe would, would give his only son, he would give of the greatest sacrifice for you and I. The fact that he would give us Jesus and he would say, listen, you sitting here in Denver, Colorado, you on a treadmill, wherever you are, you have been saved and Jesus Christ saw your life more valuable than his own. So he laid it down, not just so that we could be saved, not just so that we could be forgiven, but so that we might know him. So that we could know him. I don't know about you, but when I hear this, I'm like, man, if God, the God of the universe would give up such a sacrifice so that I could know him, he must know something that I don't know. He must know something about the power of knowing Jesus that I don't know. Why would he give such an audacious, crazy sacrifice so that you and I could know him? The Bible says to know him intimately, personally. I don't know about you, but this is crazy. There must be something extremely significant about knowing Jesus. God would sacrifice everything. His standing, all the luxuries of being God, all the status, everything that comes with being God, he'd lay it all aside I think that there's something interesting here that life is more about Jesus than we really think that it is. If you're like me, 
I think about the idea of knowing Jesus. And, and for me, many times, the way that I know Jesus is through somebody else. But what this passage is telling us about is, listen, I, I cleared away all the distractions for you. I want you to be able to know Christ intimately. And so, so for me, I can make the quantum leap inside of my mind that there must be something about knowing Jesus. There must be something about knowing Jesus that could help me love others more effectively. There must be something about Jesus, knowing Jesus, that would help me love my spouse better. There must be something about Jesus that the more that I know him, the more that I want to lay my life down for people. There must be something about knowing Jesus that makes sin seem disgusting in light of knowing who he really is. There's something about Jesus that would provide us hope in the storm that you might be going through right now. There must be something about Jesus that you could have grace and mercy to walk through the current struggle that you're walking through. You see, I, I think that most of us don't understand the benefit of knowing Jesus. Jesus is the goal. No more, no less. Knowing him, man. If you've been here the last several weeks, we've talked about a lot out of the writings of Paul. And this Apostle Paul is somebody that, that talked a lot about this joy. You, you, you listen to the series about us knowing joy in all circumstances. And what does the Bible say about joy? Well, um, Paul, in, in the book of Philippians, he's got a lot to say about us knowing Christ, us having a relationship with Christ. So if you would follow with me, and I believe that this paints an incredible picture um, for our purpose, for our goal, and for our strategy. Philippians 3, it says this in verse 7. The very credentials these people are waving around as something special. I'm tearing up and throwing them out with the trash. Along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Notice he doesn't say because God told me to. He said it's just because of Christ. Yes, all, thing, all things that I once thought were so important. They're gone from my life. Why? Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ as my master. Notice what he says firsthand. Not through a preacher, not through a book, not through worship. Firsthand. It's a relationship. Everything that I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. Look at the language. Dog dung. It's that gross in my eyes that I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. That I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. Paul says, listen, I dropped everything, all the credentials, all the things that I could take credit for. Everything that I once thought was valuable and important, I'm laying it aside for the sake of knowing him, for the sake of embracing him, for the sake of being embraced by him. There's this reciprocated relationship that Paul says it's worth leaving everything for. And not only is it not valuable, it's actually garbage or dung. Another translation says that I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ. Gain Christ. What's that mean? 
You think about it. Paul, we just identified man of God. He's known for starting churches all over the world. He's known for writing two-thirds of the New Testament. Paul, that he might gain Christ? Paul, you were saved. You, You wrote about it. You know that you were saved. You know that you had salvation. Paul's not referring to salvation. He's referring to having a relationship with Christ that he continues to grow in knowing who Jesus is, that he continues to know who Christ is, not secondhand, not thirdhand, but firsthand. Paul wanted to know Christ deeply, intimately, and profoundly at the core of who he was. Why would he lay everything aside? Paul, you were successful. Paul, you were actually known for persecuting the church. And and not only did you do that, but you were the best and you were the greatest and you were the highest and you were esteemed. Yeah, but the privilege of knowing Christ, I'll lay all that aside. I'll lay it all aside. And honestly, if you're like me, which I'm assuming that most of you think the same way that I do, as selfish as that may sound, Knowing Christ as my single ambition, knowing Christ as the drive of my life sounds way too simple and way too good, honestly. I'm like, no, Lord, there's a plethora of things that I'm confused with. There's all these paths that I'm trying to navigate, and you tell me that there's one path? You tell me that there's one way to truth, and you tell me that there's one way to life and life to the full? It's too simple. It's too simple. Not for the turmoil that I feel, God. There's, there's a lot of different ways, and I'm enticed uh, every which way to know truth, to know life, and to be with the Father. Can I tell you this? That those of you that think this sounds too good to be true, it's too good to be true, it's too simple, it's too easy. Just get to know Christ, it's too simple. Can I tell you this? It is. It is too good to be true. It is too simple. But that's the good news of the gospel, that it's good news. Jesus says that I'm the way, I'm the road, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. If you want to experience relationship with me, if you want to experience relationship with the Father, I've paid every price. I've removed every obstacle that kept us from one another. I want you to freely know me. I want you to be freely loved by me. Laid everything aside. And if it's not plain enough, if it's not simple enough, this scripture is one of the most fascinating scriptures to me personally, and it's Colossians 1. Paul paints this amazing picture of what it means, the focus, the drive, the ambition of the Christian, you and I. No matter how far we are from Christ, no matter how near we feel to Christ, the ambition of the believer is this. Colossians 1, 26 says this, this mystery has been kept in the dark for a long time, but now it's out in the open. God wanted everyone, not just Jews, to know the rich and glorious secret inside and out, regardless of their background, regardless of their religious standings. The mystery in a nutshell is this, Christ is in you. Nudge the person next to you and say, he's in you. Therefore, You can look forward to sharing in God's glory. It's that simple. Listen to this. This is the substance of our message. We preach Christ. 
warning people not to add to the message. We teach in a spirit of profound common sense so that we can bring each person to maturity. Notice what he says. To be mature is to be basic. It's Christ. No more and no less. You see, Red Rocks, if you are struggling today at what it means to be mature, how do I grow up in Christ? How do I continue to progress? How do I continually know him? Paul says that it's Christ. He's the center of our message. And actually, when you add to it, you take away from it. You take away from its power. You take away from its authority in your life. The message is Jesus. The message is that we should know him and that we could be known by him, that we can love him and that we could be loved by him. The message is Jesus and him crucified, that I must know him no more and no less. What's this Christian walk turned into for you? What have you added to this? that's made following Christ really difficult. Because I believe with all of my heart, because I get to talk to many of you throughout the course of the the months and weeks uh, that that I work here, um, there's a desperation and a longing inside many of your hearts as you continue to spin the wheels, unable to move from the sin pattern that you're in now. Many of you are bored in your Christianity, if, if you're fully honest. Many of you are discouraged in your walk with Christ. Many of you are bewildered. Many of you are confused. You're getting critiques and criticisms on how you must live your life. And the goal of your Christianity, it needed to be about Jesus, but we made it about something else. We made it about church attendance. We made it about trying to be a better person. We made it about trying to sin less. We made it about all these noble and admirable things. But Jesus says that if you just know me first, man, I'll make sin fail in comparison to knowing me. Some of the things that you deal with now, struggle with now, want to do now, man, they'll they'll fade into the background if you can know the pleasure of knowing who I am. Teach you to love better teach you to be merciful, teach you to be kind, I'll teach you to be compassionate, teach you to be better with money as you see the way that I've stewarded all of creation. Red Rocks, is Jesus at the center of your life? Is Jesus at the center of your walk with Christ? Is he focal? Is he the main point? Is he the resounding theme? No matter if you're in lack or you're in surplus, Jesus, give me Jesus, give me Jesus. Has it been about Jesus or have you added to the message? You know, I believe that there's some of you here today that that don't know this Jesus that I'm talking about. You've never experienced the saving grace and you're like, yeah, I need some of that right now. You don't know how dark of a life that I've been in. You don't know where I am right now. You don't know how hurting and how broken I am right now. To know this Jesus would be amazing. You don't know how discouraged I am. You don't know how broken I am. You don't know what I've been through. Can I just encourage you? Jesus does. He sees you. He knows you. He knows every hurt of your heart. He knows every longing, every desire, every way that you've been let down. And Jesus is just saying, come to me. I'll restore you. I'll build you back up. I'll give you the life that you've always dreamed of. Just follow me. 
So I want to pray as we close out. But before I do, I want to just give you a scripture that you can just meditate upon as we worship. For those of you that are discouraged, those of you that are tired of religion, those of you that don't know which way to go. I want to read this over you. It's Matthew eleven twenty eight, and it says this. Are you tired, Red Rocks Church? Worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Sounds good. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Man, I wish the Bible was more appropriate to us, you know? More applicable to where we are today. But Jesus is just saying, if you're tired, is religion running you through the muck? Is religion wearing you out? Come to me. It was supposed to be about a relationship to begin with. Come to me. I want to know you firsthand. Let's bow our heads. I want to pray. And before I pray, I know that there's some of you that are in here today that you don't know this Jesus that we're referring to. You don't know this Jesus that I'm talking about that saves us from our sins, no matter how far or how dark of a place that you feel like you are in today. Jesus sees it and he knows it and he said that my cross is sufficient for it. I wanna clear out everything that has kept you from knowing me. If you wanna know Christ today, you wanna have that forgiveness of your sins. You want heaven forever. And best of all for the here and now, do you wanna know Jesus? If that's you in this place, I just wanna ask you to raise your hand right now. Raising your hand, there's nothing spiritual, there's nothing significant about it. It's just manifesting with your body, something that's going on internally. Some of you right now are just feeling the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit inside your heart, the calling of Jesus. Just raise your hand and keep them raised. I wanna pray for you. Lord, we just come before you. Your word says in the book of Romans, God, that if we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Christ was raised from the dead, that Jesus is Lord of our lives. God, you said that that's the way that we're saved. So today we just want to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. God, we want to believe with everything in us that the, the, the Father raised his son from the grave, clearing out every distraction that we had to know him, every obstacle, every interference. God, we just, we want you today, Lord, save us. Bring those that are far from you close again. And God, I just pray for everybody right now that is discouraged and they're tired. God, maybe they're worn out on religion. Or remind them that the ambition and the focus and the goal of this whole thing was to know you, to love you and be loved by you, to embrace you and be embraced by you firsthand. Lord, forgive us for the ways that we've made this walk about so many other things. 
We've made it about ourselves. We've made it about things that we can accomplish. We've made it about our reputation. We've made it about all of the accolades, God, all the accomplishments when at the, at the heartbeat of what you're wanting to do in our lives is just restore yourself to being at the center. Lord, now as we worship you with music, God, I just pray, would you remind us to put us back in the center? God, worship's designed to push us back to you, push our gaze back to you. So Lord, we rest in that. Lord, we love you. We celebrate you. Jesus, thank you for giving us good news, simple news. Lord, we want Jesus and only Jesus, no more, no less. And everybody at Red Rocks Church said, amen. Red Rocks, let's stand, let's worship. Let's keep Jesus at the center.